We're live, bro. <laughs> Welcome to the Denim Dungeon Podcast. On a triumphant Tuesday, you will be listening to this on a we're sorry, we're one day late Wednesday. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a contributor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and fellow contributor, but most importantly, good buddy, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, no nickname tonight. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, all things considering watching the Doyers win. Yeah, it's also a tragic Tuesday because of that. Oh, God. Yeah. But hey, but forever, you know, Dodgers, congratulations. You, you finally win the World Series, and it's in 2020. When it doesn't count. You, <laughs> it doesn't you, count at all. Well, I mean, just think about this. They, they're they going to forever be the team that won the fewest games in the regular season to win the World Series at like 43 wins. I mean, still the most wins in Major League Baseball, but yeah. Don't, no, I don't care. <laughs> this season, there's just a big asterisk by this. This season doesn't count. Sorry. One of my, one of my favorite Giants follows on Twitter uh, kept saying as the season progressed, let's continue to remember if the Dodgers win the World Series this year, it doesn't count. But if the Giants win, hey, that's four times in the last <laughs> 11 years. And I was like, deal. I like it. I can get behind that. I can get behind that logic. Uh, for you know, being a NorCal guy, we 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 tend to, to root for our teams up here, but it's so 2020 that the Lakers win the NBA championship in a bubble with no fans and the Dodgers win uh, with no fans. Limited fans. Limited there, there well, was the some there. Yeah. But come on, let's be real. It wasn't the same experience. And I've, I've seen people already tweeting out, it's the Rams time. Uh, and no, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. If you have already forgotten last season, the Levi South stadium was where the Rams were playing because there was more red in that stadium than there was blue or gold. You know, I just, so, uh, I just, I actually just had this thought and it makes me happy. Not only did the Dodgers win in 2020, but the Dodgers are a California based team and they won't even be able to have a victory parade. And I love it. <laughs> Dodger fans won't get to celebrate except on Twitter and on social media. And I couldn't be happier. <laughs> well, okay. For one, Turner tested positive in the middle of the game. Yeah, that was weird. And he was pulled. But then he came out after the game mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and hugging his teammates. Yep. I no think, mask. Was he kissing his wife? I don't know. But at, at one point, he sat next to Dave Roberts without a mask on. Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor. And then he also sat right next to the trophy. And then people started putting like their faces and mouths next to the trophy. And it's like, this whole team isn't going to be able to celebrate because half of them are going to have COVID-19 because Justin Turner, you know, couldn't keep his mask on. Congratulations, Dodgers. Your reward, you get to quarantine for the next two weeks. That's right. <laughs> In other news. Yes, but... The uh, 49ers. You know, yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. The 49ers had a fantastic Sunday. Um Despite the fact that we, yet again, uh, can't enjoy anything, this is why we can't have nice things, Brian. Yeah, this is, uh, it's it's bordering on, well, it's already been ridiculous, and now it's bordering on absurd. They cannot go a game without losing one or two players to significant injuries, and Sunday was no different. 
So the 49ers did beat the Patriots uh, in Foxborough, which was a, they didn't a homecoming. Just, say they didn't just beat them. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. They destroyed they, them. They beat the they beat the shit out of them. Let's be honest. <laughs> it, it was yes. It was over. Uh, it was over early, and I mean, just think about the fact that the 49ers outgained the Patriots three hundred and one yards to fifty nine yards in the first half. Yeah, that was my, I think my uh, my favorite little tidbit from the game, uh, and that was actually a record. Bill Belichick had never been outgained by that many yards in a half in his entire coaching career, and then. The other thing that I loved was that they scored more points, which was 23, and had more first downs, 18, in the first half than the Patriots had total plays, which was 16. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a well-oiled machine over there in Foxborough on the offensive side of the ball. Yikes. Golly. But hey, as a 49er fan, it was fun to watch, for sure. It was, and... You know, one of my favorite things is keeping receipts and listening to all of the the talking heads on the East Coast. And there were a number of of people saying that the 49ers were going to get their clocks cleaned by the Patriots this week. And Cam Newton was going to go off. And we may have seen the last of Cam Newton as a starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. The 49ers shut him down completely. Uh, and he was benched in the second half for Jared Stidham. Who came in and did absolutely nothing as well. So do they need a quarterback like C.J. Beathard? Would they like a trade? Stephon Gilmore, straight up? <laughs> straight up. Let's go. Let's go. C.J. CJ Beathard for Stephon Gilmore. Who says no? <laughs> it is trade season. It is. There are some uh, ridiculous things out there on Twitter right now. Um, you actually got me today. I got a text from you, and it was just you had shared a tweet via text. And so all that came through was the actual tweet itself. And it was an Adam Schefter fake, or a fake Adam Schefter account. And it, it just said something about the 49ers trading for Stefan Gilmore. And literally my heart skipped a beat. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Like we're, we're doing this again. And I was, and then, and then you, uh, <laughs> you followed it up. I didn't even finish the tweet and you followed it up with, it got me. And I was like, you <laughs> son you, you of a sucker. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, the 49ers trade Dante Pettis and a second round pick for, for Gilmore. And I was like. I got to the end. I'm like, oh my, oh, damn it. <laughs> you bastards. Yeah. It's the, it's this Twitter, it's this Twitter season of every single person who's a talking head or thinks that they can contribute on Twitter that isn't verified. They're tweeting out these crazy things so that they can be the one to say they called it first. And some people are just throwing just dog crap up against the wall hoping it'll stick and it's just over and over and over and i'm honestly just sick. i'm sick and tired of this season i just want it to be over with let the trade season be done i'm okay with the roster the way it is currently the 49ers are are on the rise right now despite all of their injuries despite the fact that they have more players more contributing starters out on injury and on injury reserve than most teams have good players. Yeah. They're still finding ways 
to be successful and get better. They've hit their stride at the right time. And and it's not that they're just winning. They're they're winning big and they're winning big against well, at least the last two weeks, quality opponents, you know. And 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 you can talk you you can talk about where the Patriots are right now and and whether they are actually a quality opponent, but anytime but, you go against a Bill Belichick coached yeah. team, they're going to give you well, you, you assume they're going to give you their best. Uh, it did not appear that way on Sunday. And well, they, they probably did still give their best. It was just, that was everything they had to, to, you know, to combat the 49ers. And, it, you know, uh, there were, David Lombardi was talking about this on, on his podcast earlier in the week. And he was saying that there have been rumors that since this game has been scheduled, Kyle Shanahan has been every single week putting something into the game plan against the Patriots so that the same thing wouldn't happen that happened in the Super Bowl when he lost the 28 to 3 lead against Bill Belichick. Yeah. So this has been his redemption game since that happened. He has been he was more ready for this game and I think it showed based upon their game plan than he I think he was for any game previously and he there's no question that that Bill Belichick is is a one of one of the if not the best coach in NFL history. The I the well yeah okay if you're looking at stats and Super Bowls and yeah yeah he is but isn't that I the mean, name of the game? Yeah, it is. But I don't know. I, I I have a hard time. Bill Walsh revolutionized revolutionized the game. He changed the way the game was played, and ever since him. Every single coach and every single team has taken pieces of his philosophy and the way he he coached his offense, and the game just never was the same ever again. I can't really say that about Bill Belichick because he he just constantly adapts to whatever team right. he has and whatever players he has, and he can't be separated from Tom Brady. And if you look at this year as any indicator as to who maybe was more of an influence on the success of the Patriots, especially in Tom Brady's later years. Tom Brady's finding some extreme success in Tampa Bay while Bill Belichick is struggling. He's um, on the struggle bus for sure. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't know that you can ever, you'll ever get a full argument on, you know, who was more important. You know, they are going to be intrinsically uh, connected forever right it's it's bill belichick and tom brady and so it will be interesting you know brady's having a you know after a rough start in tampa bay they have come on strong in fact uh tampa bay uh currently is the number one ranked team in dvoa uh they have the number one ranked defense and the number two ranked offense so they are they are coming on strong and and you know he is he is leading that team and Cam Newton is not leading the Patriots very well. So it's just the wrong fit. But hey, Brian, is there any other team in the NFL that's top 10 in DVOA on both offense and defense? Yeah, there is one other team. And oh, who is it? It is, hold on. Um, I, I looked this up. Oh, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, boom. They are the eighth ranked defense and the eighth ranked offense. And they are the eighth, eighth ranked, uh, team overall in DVOA. So some consistency there. Um, yeah, and let's let's not forget that one that includes the Dolphins game where the defense got shredded. Right. With a secondary that was was subpar. 
at best. <laughs> subpar. And, uh, yeah, worse than subpar. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, God bless, you know, God bless Alan. I know they cut him today. They and, did. They did. And, you know, my heart goes out to any NFL player that, that gets released from a team and, and especially had such a horrible showing. He, you know, he tried his hardest. It just wasn't his day. It wasn't a great position he was put into by the coaching staff, getting called up from the practice squad and being thrust into the starting lineup with vir- virtually no warning. It was a recipe for disaster, and that wasn't his fault. Um, and then the 49ers have been riddled with injuries. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost their their starting running back. They didn't have their number one receiver, and so on and so forth. George Kittle was out. Uh, you know, so the offense has had a ton of obstacles to overcome. The defense lost their best player. They've had a ton of obstacles to overcome, and yet they're starting to hit their stride, and they are one of two teams in the NFL that ranks in the top 10 in both offense and defensive DVOA. That's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, um, and and speaking of, you said you talked about David Lombardi earlier. Again, he's the 49ers beat writer for The Athletic. He tweeted out two days ago that when the 49ers haven't had to play their fifth-string cornerback, so again, you know, excluding the Dolphins game. Their defense is allowing 15 and a half points per game, which is number one in the NFL by a large, or he says a huge margin. So the defense is playing lights out. Robert Sala is, uh, you know, he's, he's proving himself. I think, you know, uh, there were people that after that Cardinals game, and even after that Miami game, you know, we're like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe his scheme isn't good, but, you know, he has led this unit pretty damn well, all things considered. And that's a pretty impressive stat that, again, outside of that Miami game where they, you know, they got embarrassed, but they're only allowing 15 and a half points per game, which is pretty good, I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, so uh, just question off the cuff for you. Yeah. How well do you think the 49ers are doing in the Eastern time zone? Th- this season or? Yeah, this um, season. Well, I think they're 3-0, and and I think they have embarrassed all three opponents that they've played in the Eastern time zone. How many points do you think the 49ers have scored in the Eastern time zone in their three games? Over 90. Correct. Do you want to go for an exact number? This one's tough. Uh, they scored 33 on Sunday. And they scored 37. Nope. So no. you're just going to have to take a guess. All right. Um, let's go 106. 100 points. Oh, 100. 100 even. And how many points have they given up to teams in the northeastern quadrant of this United States of America? Is it 16? <laughs> they gave up 15 if you count the Giants and the Patriots, and then yeah. tack on another 13 to the oh, Jets. 28. Uh, that's 100 to 28. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a pretty, pretty solid margin. That's, so can we play all of our games in New York? Nope, not New York. In in Foxborough for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, definitely not. Definitely not New York. No, MetLife. Boo. You know that's a. I I appreciate that you brought this up because I feel like one of the hallmarks of a good or great team is that they travel well. And this team 
since the start of last season has traveled incredibly well and they play so well on the road that, you know, it just speaks to their, you know, just, just their overall talent level, but at the same time, just their, their focus and their, you know, their will to win and their uh, ability to just go on the road and, you know, whether it be, you know, long trips to the East coast or whether it be down to new Orleans or whatever the case may be, they just travel really well. And that's a, that's, I think an impressive, an impressive thing to behold. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to travel. Well, um, it's not easy to stay focused and the 49ers do it about as well as anybody in the NFL, which is fantastic. Part of me wants, uh, if we can't win the division, part of me is like, why don't we just get the number seven seed and then stomp the, the Eagles? NFC least or whoever wins that, that the Eagles. Re- I don't think it's going to be the Eagles, man. I could see the, wa- I could see the Washington <laughs> football team doing it. <laughs> the Eagles are bad. The I know Cowboys the Eagles are, are bad, worse. but all of them are bad. I, I, I just, I think I'm, they are the, they are the least terrible of all those terrible teams. Maybe, but I'm still pulling for the Washington football team and our boy, Alex Smith. I want to see him. Hey, I hope he gets another shot. And well, we'll see. I mean, we play them. Was it week 15? I think that's somewhere it's, around there. Yeah. It's in the last, last yeah. part of the season, last but, quarter quarter of the season. But Hey, I, I don't want him to play against the 49ers. I don't. Want oh, I don't hurt. either. No, please. Um, yeah. But I would like him to beat the Seahawks. Um, That'd be in great. The, the following week. When, That'd be great. Yeah. That would be one final gift that, that Alex Smith could give the 49ers. <laughs> uh, there's just a couple other things I wanted to highlight from that game, and then we'll get on to news and notes. But uh, the 49ers either ran by design or used play action on 51 of their 63 offensive plays, which was 81%. And that's their highest percentage of such plays in a game since ESPN began tracking in 2008 and the highest for any team in a game this season, obviously. And then the last one that I thought was pretty fun was that the 49ers were the first team in four years to travel to Foxborough and score a touchdown on the opening drive. Hey, just dominant, dominant game. Like that's all there was to it. It was great to watch. Uh, I watched the major, the whole first half pretty much uh, on my on your phone, phone. <laughs> driving back. So I do have to tell our, our audience, our listeners that, we, we made a promise not, and yeah, broke it just immediately. <laughs> immediately. Um, just, <laughs> just immediately. Just immediately. We decided to break that promise and, and not watch a game together because, um, you know, that's what that's what we do. Um, Tim and, and his family went to the beach to take family photos like no the family selfish photos. person that he is. No family photos at the beach. It was. What? To, I know. Uh, but it was a wonderful time. It was very relaxing. It was very much needed. And we got to spend some time with family, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, there were no family photos. They're not going to listen to this, Tim. <laughs> I, I'm just you know kidding, what? Blaine. I'm just kidding. CJ, Blaine, you guys are going to listen to this. I know it. And uh, yeah, so there's your shout out. Enjoy it. Uh, if you count family photos, the only one that was really turned out really well were the ones that we took of our kids and nice. And the one that, you know, of our, my older daughter making a sand angel like you would in the snow. Fun. Sand, sand all up in her hair and everywhere else. Everywhere. It was, I spent a lot of time in the shower. That was bad. (laughs) Nice. All right. Let's move on to, uh, just some news and notes. 
the biggest one, again, you know, we, we talk about this every week is more injuries. So Jeff Wilson Jr. is headed to the IR with a high ankle sprain, which apparently is just, you know, the, the most common injury for the 49ers at the moment. It's but, either that or the ACL. Yeah, like right. Those are those yeah. are the two that are running neck and neck, and one and, of those. And you f- you just feel so bad for Wilson because that injury happened on his third touchdown run. He got tackled at the goal line and just rolled up on that ankle, and you know you could see in his face just how devastated he was. He knew, you know, he knew he was going to miss some time, but. Yeah, Jeff Wilson to the IR with a high ankle sprain. And then Debo is set to miss uh, at least the next two games uh, with a hamstring strain. I think it's the next two games mainly because Sunday it's at Seattle and then quick turnaround playing the Green Bay Packers at home on Thursday night. And so I just don't think there's enough time for him to reasonably expect to come back against the Packers. And so... You know, fingers crossed that he comes back because the game after the Packers is at New Orleans. And so, you know, ideally you'd love to be at full strength on the offensive side of the ball to play a team like New Orleans in New Orleans. But yeah, so Wilson Jr. to the IR to IR with a high ankle sprain and Debo set to miss the next two games uh, at least uh, with a hamstring strain. And so, you know, like I said, this just seems to be a theme as we record every, you know, every game recap is, all right, which player is injured now? And in fact, the 49ers lead the NFL with the most salary on injured reserve currently at 56303000 The next closest is the Cowboys at $55 million, And the largest chunk of that is obviously Dak Prescott on his... Um, on his contract, his uh, uh, franchise, franchise tag, yeah, the franchise tag there, and then third is the Broncos at uh, forty six million, and the bulk of that is Von Miller. True, and the key difference between the Forty ers and those two teams right now is that the Cowboys and the Broncos aren't good. Suck, yeah, <laughs> are when you terrible have, when you have that amount of capital, not even on the field contributing. There's a reason why you are then going to suck and be, you know, not a great team. Somehow, some way, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have put together a squad that is extremely deep and they are accounting for all of these injuries and players are stepping up into new roles and doing a phenomenal job. And it's just it's a testament to to what the, what they have done uh with this roster to be able to sustain this because this is unheard of. Um this many injuries to this many key players, it just I'm I'm really tired uh, of of saying this. So next week I'm going to knock on wood here. Knock on wood if you're with me. Uh, no more players to the IR, please. Man, that would be phenomenal. That would be, you know, ideal. But but we'll see. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Shanahan did say that they are hopeful that. Excuse me, Tevin Coleman could be back this week for the Seahawks game, which would be huge because as it stands right now, Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty are the only healthy running backs on the roster. And they are hoping that Kwan Williams will also be back uh, this week for the for the Seattle game. 
Uh, if Coleman doesn't come back, then more than likely they will probably elevate Austin Walter, a running back out of Rice, uh, to the to the active uh, to the active roster at least for for the for the game against Seattle again, so that you have at least three running backs in there. And the trade that the 49ers made last week uh, was official on Monday. The 49ers traded a sixth round or 2022 sixth round pick to the New York Jets for defensive end Jordan Willis and a 2021 seventh round pick. So, a, Which essentially is a six-round pick. Right. It's essentially a, uh, what amounts to – was, I was going to call it a pick swap, but it's not because it's two different years. So, uh, yeah, so a 2022 six-round pick to the New York Jets for Willis and a 2021 seventh-round pick, which will more than likely be the first pick in the seventh round, unless they have multiple seventh-rounders that they, you know, that they had at their disposal to trade. No one knows. But – So defensive end Jordan Willis, uh, he is a a player that hasn't had much success at the NFL level. He was a relatively highly touted prospect coming out of Kansas State. Uh, In fact, he was a third round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2017 draft. Now he was actually somebody that the 49ers flew in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh one of their 30 one of their 30 interviews that that you get, you know, bringing bringing guys in in the draft process. Jordan Willis was one of the guys that came that came in for them. He was in 2017, he was the Big 12 defensive player of the year. And so, you know, he had a good college resume and, you know, he really is kind of one of those it, it's, he's essentially a lottery ticket for the 49ers right now. They need depth at defensive end and they they had scouted this guy already, you know, so they 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 know what they're getting in him. They're just hoping that, you know, this this coaching staff, which, you know, arguably one of the better coaching staffs in the league, you know, they're hoping that they can get something out of him. The Bengals drafted him in the third round. Uh, when he tested at the combine, he was 6'4", 255 pounds, uh, ran a 40-yard dash in 4.53 seconds, had a 39-inch vertical jump, a 125-inch broad jump, a 6.85-second three-cone drill, a 4.28-second 20-yard shuttle, and he did 24 reps on the bench press. If you look at his spider graph, uh, which is just a, a, a visual representation of his uh, percentile ranks on those different areas. He was 98th percentile in the 40 yard dash, 95th percentile in vertical jump. Again, this is against other defensive ends, 93rd in broad jump, 95th in three cone drill, 81st in 20 yard show, uh, 20 yard shuttle, and then 55 in bench press. But as we talked offline before we started recording, he's a speed rusher. You know, his strength isn't his game. Uh, but again, he was 6'4, 255 coming out of college. The Bengals drafted him and promptly asked him to gain 25 pounds. So he got up to 280 and really just kind of lost what it was that made him special. So he ended up going to the Jets. He dropped weight at the Jets, just didn't get on the field to play much. And so he's coming to the 49ers, I believe, at 265. So, uh, again, what amounts to a D Ford replacement in the mold of like a Deion Jordan, you know, kind of a a tall, lanky guy with a little bit of bulk, but but fast and quick. I, I actually really 
like this pickup because the 49ers do not have much cap space at all. And they had to restructure Lincoln Tomlinson's contract to be able to fit Jordan Willis in uh, to make this happen. But essentially, kind of like you said, he is a lottery ticket that could pay off pretty big. Uh, Chris Kosarek, the the 49ers defensive line coach, has a has a way with some of these guys and somehow brings the best out of most. And no one expected Kerry Hyder Jr. to to do as well as he is actually doing this year. He doesn't have, you know, some of the jump off the page stats uh, that some of the more high profile guys are having. But right now, in terms of uh, you know rush efficiency, defensive end efficiency, pass rush producti- productivity productivity he's ranked fourth in the nfl and and that's That's pretty impressive (laughs) considering the 49ers are paying 1.5 million dollars for him this year yeah that's that's damn impressive that's a bargain it is and that's the type of that's the type of level that the 49ers coaching staff especially on the defensive side of the ball they're able to get out of some of these guys and jordan willis fits the wide nine technique he is like you said he's a speed guy he is not built on on power and strength. He's not going to run people over. His job will be to get into that wide nine his, and to run, pin his ears back, and go get the quarterback. And go like he's going. His legs will be fresh. Uh, you know, he'll be a third down guy. Uh, I could see some. I could see some playmaking ability out of this guy, and I I hope the best. Uh, I think you know. I think this might be one of those things where where Lynch and and Shanahan, if if. You know, if they play their cards right, this guy could could come through at a special time during the year and and provide us with a spark. So, good job. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's a trade that doesn't make a lot of noise, but could end up having a, a fairly large impact if you know if it pans out. And if it doesn't, so be it. You got a seventh round, uh, an extra seventh rounder this year out of the deal as well. And I know you talked about earlier. I just thought this was interesting. Before the 49ers restructured Lake and Tomlinson's contract, they had a little over $30,000 in cap space. And so in order to make this trade, they had to do that restructure. And so, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It is trade season. There are rumors abounding. As 49er fans, please feel free to limit your enthusiasm. There is literally zero financial flexibility on this team right now to make any kind of trade. If there is a trade, it's going to have to be, excuse me, a player for player swap where the contracts are relatively similar because again, the 49ers have no room. So no, Adam Thielen isn't coming to the 49ers. No, Michael Thomas isn't coming to the 49ers. No, Stefan Gilmore, even a fake Adam Schefter fooled us is not coming (laughs) to the 49ers. I don't think there's going to be any real movement uh, moving forward. The trade deadline is next Tuesday. It's a week from today, but a lot of experts because of the COVID protocols think that this Wednesday and Thursday could be, could be the days where if deals are made, uh, this is it in order to get them in the building for the following week. Because again, the 49ers made this trade for Jordan Willis last week, but it didn't become official until today because he had to pass all his COVID protocols. So, you know, even though they made that trade last week, he wasn't at all going to be available for that, for that Patriots game. You know, the one, the one thing that I, the one player I definitely could see moving off the roster uh, would be Dante Pettis. Um, You know, Kyle Shanahan has actually 
confirmed that they are are he's on the block he is he the block is hot for him (laughs) (laughs) just in the wrong way in the wrong way exactly Um, he's not one of the hot boys um that will be staying in the bay area past this year for sure uh his salary this year his cap number is 1.7 million dollars so whatever you can get for that like yeah well and and uh, much. yeah i was listening to locked on 49ers earlier today that's the podcast hosted by brian peacock and every tuesday he does a mailbag episode and a listener emailed in and said what about a player for player swap the 49ers sent dante pettis to green bay for cornerback josh jackson and that trade actually would work because both pettis and jackson were drafted in 2000 17 right no 2018 sorry in the second round in 2018 and so they both have essentially the same contract so it could be a player for player swap but you know other than that i mean there you know there are people out there like grant Cohn who says like hey what about you know dante pettis for john ross of the Bengals? and while that sounds great john ross is on a first round contract and Pettis is on a second round. So the financials probably wouldn't work out on that one either. So, you know, I don't want to be a wet blanket, but I don't think the 49ers are making any more trades this year. Not unless somebody restructures their contract like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I don't, I don't really see that happening to open up a ton of cap space. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately if that were to happen, that's a commitment to Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward. And, you know, we're going to talk or you're going to talk about it and I'll chime in when I can in your QB corner, but I don't know if the 49ers are ready to commit to Jimmy Garoppolo long-term. So right now where they're at, if they cut Jimmy Garoppolo next year, it's a 2.5 or $2.8 million dead cap hit against a $27 million salary. So, you know, there's, He's guaranteed $0 in 2021 and 2022. Yeah. So it's crazy. We'll see. We'll see. Who would have thought that at this point, when when he signed that contract with the 49ers just a few years ago, we were, we were just so excited. And we said we found our guy. And now we're talking about, well, what if he's cut? That's zero. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but at the same time, on. like I look at it and I say – Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make $27 million next year. And that sounds like a lot of money, but I believe in terms of quarterback contracts that puts him right in the middle of the pack. So it really is actually an affordable contract, even though, you know, again, he's making $27 million a year, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but it really isn't in, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens moving forward, but let's go ahead and move on to our who struck gold and who struck out. And before we get into our tiers, we always like to start with our El Jefe Tequila Boss Player of the Week. And this week, we are going to give that award to Mr. Jeff Wilson Jr., who had a coming out party of epic proportions in Foxborough, rushing for 112 yards and three tutties. That dude just finds a way to get into the end zone. He, he's always been that guy that you give him the ball inside the red zone and he's going to find his way to score. But this was the first time that he really had a chance to shine, put it all together. And he was trucking guys. He was, he was getting to the edge. He was running hard. It was just really great to see him play well. 
Uh, and my heart breaks for him that he had to suffer that high ankle sprain um, because he w- it was his coming out party. And no matter what, I think he made himself some money next year. Well, and one of the things that I love is, you know, it came out in some stories after after the game that Jeff Wilson Jr. goes to a quote unquote dark place before games. And Shanahan even said, I can't talk to Jeff before a game starts because he's in such a zone that, you know, he, it just, he goes, he goes to a dark place. And I just love that, that, excuse me. I just love that. I guess that visual, right. Of this guy that just said, you know, he goes to a place that allows him to just, you know, be as physical and as violent on the field as he possibly can be. And you see it in his play, you know, he hits the hole so hard and he runs dudes over and, you know, he just had one hell of a game. And, and, and honestly, you know, he, he went out right with his injury and then Jermichael hasty came in and I am, I'm dude, I'm so excited about Jermichael hasty. He is nice. But one of the things that I actually thought about, you know, again, thinking about Kyle Shanahan and the offenses that he's run in the past, Jeff Wilson and Jermichael hasty really kind of feel to me like a budget Tevin Coleman and Devonte Freeman, which were the two running backs that he had in Atlanta. And, you know, we have Tevin Coleman now, but you know, it really feel again, Jeff Wilson being that Tevin Coleman kind of bruising back and then Jermichael hasty being that Devonte Freeman, smaller guy, but you know, jump cuts, quick to the hole, you know, quick to go north and south, but also not afraid to, you know, put his nose in there and, and, and invite contact. And I think the 49ers have a pretty bright future at the running back position with both those guys. Absolutely. Um, it, there's no doubt that years to come, I think Jermichael hasty is going to be a stud for the 49ers and he's going to see his share of carries along with when we get Raheem Mostert back. But, uh, you know, at Jeff Wilson's contract this year, you know, the 49ers are only paying him $750,000 for this one-year contract in 2020. Um, I think he showed the NFL what he's able to do. And I think somebody's going to pick him up. And I think he's going to he's gonna break into the millions uh, next year with some contract somewhere. I don't think it's going to be with the 49ers again because uh, he just showed too much in this game. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, again, I'd be it'd be great if he was back, but... You never know. So So, let's go ahead and pause here and hear from our sponsor, El Jefe Tequila. It tastes good. Hey, Brian. Hey, Timbo. What are you up to? Starting my pregame at home. What are you doing? Same here. Since we can't be at Levi's Stadium tailgating in the blue lot with the faithful, we have to do it at home and we have to do it right. Yeah, buddy. Since we can't be at the Denim Dungeon, I'm sitting in my candlestick seats, I got my Shanna hat on, and I'm pouring a glass of El Jefe tequila. El Jefe? You mean that new generation of luxury craft tequila, the good stuff? That's right. Every time I pregame with El Jefe and watch the Niners, it's a win. The faithful do love tequila. What are you getting down with? The Blanco, the Reposado, or the Anejo? You know I'm sipping on that Anejo. It's toasty with hints of caramel and a light spice. Dude, it's been aged 14 months in American oak barrels. It is so smooth. You want a glass? You know I do. El Jefe's as smooth as Jimmy G's clean-shaven chin line. Wow, that is smooth. Cheers, buddy. Bang, bang. Niner gang. 
you'd like to purchase that luxury craft tequila, go to www.eljefetequila.com. That's www.eljefetequila.com. All right, let's move on to our 24 karat gold players. And the first one we want to highlight is Brandon Ayuk, who had his first 100 yard receiving day in his was this his fifth game or his fourth game this is his fifth game wait fifth game because yeah. he missed the first game yeah fifth game as a pro not bad uh had a pff grade of 89.0 which is uh in terms of the offensive uh players uh, not quite as high as our next guy on the list and we will reveal him in a moment but uh, yeah, just a, a great overall performance from the rookie out of Arizona State, and I continue to be impressed not only by his uh, yak ability, his yards after the catch, but really just his route running and just you know an, an overall excellent performance from a rookie rookie wide receiver. Yeah, he's he's doing well. Uh, I like the routes that he's running, uh, and he's actually turning into the the deep threat that we we need. Uh, he has no problem going vertical on a route and getting open. And we saw him catch uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's first completion uh, plus 20, 20 yards, yards down the more, field yeah. of the 2020 season. So congratulations, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, way to go. Um, a Sierra College product right yeah, here in our buddy. hometown. Super proud of that guy. I think the sky is the limit for him. Really excited for what he's going to be able to bring to the team in the future. All right. And then we also wanted to highlight, uh, or actually, sorry, uh, the guy that earned the highest PFF grade is going to be in our 14 karat gold. And uh, so we will move on uh, to all pro Fred Warner, who makes another appearance on our 24 karat gold. Fred Warner is the best player on the defense. And it's not particularly close, especially with all the injuries that we have right now. But, you know, he just continues to put incredible games on film week in and week out. You know, he's a a sideline to sideline heat seeking missile. And he got another interception in this game. He read Cam Newton, uh, jumped that route and uh, picked off what was an, a God awful pass from Newton to be fair, but still got that interception. And, you know, it, I'm just, people are asking, you know, what, as he continues to have these incredible games, he continues to earn himself more and more money in the next contract that he gets. And people are wondering if that's going to be in the off season. I don't particularly think so just because of all the uncertainty with the salary cap and whether it's going to either stay the same or go down. I, I think it's pretty likely that it's going to go down. So I don't think they're going to sign him to an extension in this off season, but uh, he is earning himself a significant amount of money. Way to go. All pro Fred Warner. Yeah. Linebacker one, man. Uh, Fred Warner uh, was, proclaimed by tony romo on on the broadcast to be the best linebacker in the nfl and look i know some people like to take their shots at tony romo i actually think he's a pretty good announcer uh his insight and who takes shots at tony romo i think he's the best color commentator going right now hey 
I'm just, I'm, I'm repeating things I've read on the Twitterverse. There are some people who aren't so nice. Holy cow. Anywho, just saying, if Tony Romo, who I respect, I think, and obviously you do too, um, says he's the best linebacker in the NFL, then, you know, he, he's at least in the conversation of being the top, in the top three. Um, the 49ers got a steal with him. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He's their leader. And I think you're right. He's earning himself a very big payday. And the 49ers are going to have to find a way to pay him and Nick Bosa in the coming years. It's, there's going to be a lot of money going into those two guys. Yeah, but they've earned, I mean, again, with, with just the, the season that he had last year, Bosa earned it. And Fred continues to to earn it. And so the last player we wanted to highlight in our 24 karat gold category was Jamar Taylor who did have himself a day with two interceptions and just another player that nobody expected to even make the team out of training camp as you know, he, he filled in for K one when K one had his calf injury, but here we are, you know, practice squad player called up to start and got himself two interceptions. So way to go, Jamar way to ball out as uh, more than likely this may be the last game that he's played as a 49er since K1 Williams is coming back, hopefully this week. Well, maybe. Um, you never know. K1 can't really seem to stay healthy this year. So uh, having Taylor step into that role and be as productive as he's been uh, has been a pleasant surprise for the 49ers. And I look forward to his growth in his career because it seems like he's finding a way uh, to be a difference maker uh, when he's out on the field. All right, let's move on to our 14 karat gold. And the player that's going to lead this one off is Lakin Tomlinson. The right guard did have the highest offensive grade uh, at PFF at a 91.0. He just had a dominant game, both in the run, in, in the run game and in pass block efficiency, didn't allow any pressures. And uh, just, you know, the, the offensive line really has in the last two games reestablished themselves as one of the better units in the NFL. Last week, they held Aaron Donald to what amounts to a did not play. If, if we're being perfectly honest, had no impact on the game whatsoever. <laughs> and then this week just absolutely Who? ran Wait. over. Oh yeah. Who? 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 Aaron Donald. Who? Ugh. Receipts. Receipts. What a dick. <laughs> Hopefully but, he doesn't ever hear that because, uh, he would tear me in half. I agree. He's a, he's a big, bad man. He is. He's is a freak of nature, but yeah. And then, you know, the coming in into, uh, coming into new England and absolutely just road grading that bill Belichick coach defense. So we're highlighting Lake and Tomlinson, but the entire offensive line had another outstanding performance on Sunday. Yeah. These are the, these are the types of games that the offensive line is going to have to perform in. If, the 49ers are going to be successful because Jimmy Garoppolo is still recovering from that high ankle sprain. He's he's at that point in the year now where you would have expected him to come back. And the first couple of weeks when you're supposed to come back is always, you know, you're feeling it out and it's tentative. So the offensive line really needs to step up uh, against a next week against a <laughs> Seahawks defensive line, which is uh, not great. Uh, statistically <laughs> to say speaking. the least, but uh, it seems like they always find a way, no matter who's in, to play well 
against the 49ers in a rivalry game. So uh, way to go, Lincoln Tomlinson. Uh, that's a really good game for you. Offensive line, good job. But next week, we're going to have to be even better if we want to stand a chance to beat the Sea Chickens. And Mr. Unlimited. Ugh. All right. And then the last two and 14 karat gold that we wanted to highlight, both backups who were in the game because of injury. Uh, Tarvarius Moore, who was filling in for Jimmy Ward, had a really good game. Uh, you know, tended to play kind of at the line of scrimmage and didn't wasn't asked to do a whole lot in terms of coverage, which, you know, Jimmy Ward, a lot of times will be asked to cover wide receivers one-on-one. They didn't really do that with Moore. They kind of gave him just opportunities to use his athleticism to make plays. And he did, he made a lot of plays. And, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember a, uh, a stop behind the line of scrimmage on a run play where he just kind of knifed through the offensive line and hit the running back in the backfield. And then Aziz Alshair as well, who had the, well, Joe Walker, who is a, a backup, uh, a backup linebacker for the 49ers who was elevated from the practice squad again, because of injury, he was in the game for three plays and he had the highest PFF grade, but for starters, Aziz Alshair had himself quite the, uh, quite the game and, uh, filling in and that weak side linebacker position, uh, I guess you could say filling in for Dre Greenlaw, who is at the strong side linebacker position, because he's filling in for Quan Alexander, who's out with a high ankle sprain. So just wanted to highlight Aziz, who had a good game. And, uh, you know, these backups just continue to ball out for a defense that is performing at a level that I don't think most people would expect them to play at with the rash of injuries that they've had. Yeah, considering we we mentioned six guys outside of our, our boss player of the week, Jeff Wilson, and three of the six, so th- one of the 24 karat gold and two of the 14 karat gold are backups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really impressive for the 49ers. Uh, and again, it just highlights their depth and it highlights uh, just how strong this roster really is. And, you know, if we go back to the beginning of the season in our podcast, we talked about the next man up philosophy. And I know it's a cliche. I said it then and I'm going to say it again. It is. But when you truly believe that philosophy and when the team believes that the the ship is pointed in the right direction and whoever's in just has to be inserted and do their job the right way and they will be successful and good things are going to happen. And we're seeing that from the 49ers. We're seeing that from players like Tyvarius Moore and Aziz Alshair. They're stepping into these roles. Jamar Taylor stepping in and making plays immediately, getting whether it was his very first play, Taylor got a sack, uh, it's two picks in this game. Tarverius Moore was a tackling machine. Uh, Aziz Alshair is, is doing a wonderful job. He had a great coverage grade in the, in this game. Uh, they just continue to impress and we're going to need to see more out of them as the weeks continue. Cause God forbid, you know, more injuries are going to come. Who knows how long, uh, the guys are going to be out. So well done. Well done. Top, top to bottom on this roster these guys are playing really really well yeah the depth is is undeniable you know this is a this is a front office that has created a a very deep team and it's fun to watch you know it's it's fun to see guys step up and and fill in for uh you know some players that are at an all pro level so uh last thing we want to highlight is fool's gold 
again, in a 33 to six performance, you're not really going to find many on the 49er side. And so what we decided to go with was our fool's gold for this week is Patriots nation. Uh, it's time to sell stock and begin the complete rebuild. They, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you heard any of the, uh, Boston radio this week. I'm but sure it was a shit show. I, <laughs> Basically, people are already selling stock on Bill Belichick and saying that he's oh, nothing man. without Come Tom on, Brady. Guys. Come Seriously, on, guys. Come calling on. People calling in buddy. and saying he it's obvious now that Brady was the guy that was behind all the championships. Belichick is nothing without him. You know, it's time to just sell all of our stock, get rid of Gilmore, get rid of everybody. Because Belichick needs to retire. No. Oh, you Well, who report? There was somebody that reported it. Was it uh, that? the handshake that took place between Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick lasted so long. And the conversation lasted so long between the two of them that their prediction was Bill Belichick is going to leave new England to become Kyle Shanahan's defensive coordinator (laughs) next year. When Robert Sala goes to get a head coaching job, potentially in new England, new England. (laughs) No, but I do, I, I, I do appreciate that you highlighted that because one of the things that, that I love is that there is a significant amount of mutual respect, respect between Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan. And I think, you know, as Kyle Shanahan, if you get that kind of respect from, from a guy like Bill Belichick, who, like we said earlier, he's arguably the best uh, head coach in NFL history, it, it says something about who you are as a, as a football coach and a football mind. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think there's mutual admiration there and, uh, and it might even be a little bit more from Bill Belichick to Kyle Shanahan than it is Shanahan to Belichick. I think, I think Belichick really respects Shanahan. You know, I think that's part of why Jimmy Garoppolo is in San Francisco right now. But, uh, but yeah, Bill Belichick is not uh, stepping down as head coach of the New England Patriots to become the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Could you, could you imagine though, that team being like co-coached by those two guys and the offense in all Kyle has to worry about is the offense and all, all Bill Belichick has to worry about is the defense. That team would be so well prepared and so good. They would run through, if health permitting, they would be that could be the most unstoppable force the NFL has ever seen. That'd be insane. <laughs> that would. God, that I would. wish it would happen. <laughs> I love Sala, and don't get me wrong. I just think he's, oh, for sure, for sure. I think he's proven in, himself even more this season. Yeah, his time is limited in San Francisco. He will be moving on. We had we had talked about uh, earlier in this season on the podcast that Sala needs to step up and expand his defensive schemes and kind of expand what he does and his philosophy on the defensive side of the ball. And he's done just that. Uh, the 49ers are, are, have turned into a coverage first team, which yeah. is they've really rebuilt themselves on the fly. Yeah. To pivot mid year, like they're doing and to go from being a team that is surround, you know, centered upon creating a pass rush from your front four to then middle of the year, finding ways to create pressure by blitzing a ton and rushing five and sometimes six. And now in the last couple of games, it seems like we're not generating any pressure whatsoever with our front four, but we're just locking down everybody with our back seven. It's really incredible to watch uh, just the evolution of this defense. And the next step is going to be the most 
complicated and the most difficult step for this defense going up against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and that elite passing game that they do have. And we'll get more into this. And I promise, guys, we're very sorry that we haven't had a preview episode uh, in a couple of weeks. We've had a lot of weird time commitments and and uh, internet outages in our area. It's been really strange. And we're not trying to make excuses for it, but we're just sorry that we haven't been able to come out <laughs> with two episodes a week. And it's been just kind of the recap episode. But moving forward, we, we do plan on doing uh, our second episode this week to to preview the Seahawks game. And we will get into how important it's going to be uh, to contain Russell Wilson and especially on first and second down, because on third down, we'll highlight, you know, later on in this week, how bad Russell Wilson has actually been on third down this year. And the fact that we cannot let Metcalf and Tyler Lockett behind the secondary, if they play like they've been playing and keep everything in front, I think the 49ers have a very good chance of getting out of Seattle with a W. Yeah, but the biggest uh, the biggest factor in whether the 49ers will succeed in Seattle or not is going to fall on Jimmy Garoppolo, and that is going to lead us into our QB corner. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? With our resident college QB, former Humboldt State Lumberjack, and former Washington State Cougar, because I got admonished wow. for not adding that last time. Wow, Cougar. Mr. Tim Sprinkles. <laughs> Tim, uh, that is that is the most vicious Cougar I've ever heard. Wow. <laughs> take, take it away. Sorry. I've been, uh, my daughter is obsessed with big cats, and she is so excited to be Carol Baskin for Halloween. Carol uh, Baskin. Baskin. That she has Killed been, her uh, husband, whacked him. <laughs> we're not telling her about that part, okay? Can't convince um, me that it didn't happen. Oh, you're... Yes. <laughs> Carol, by asking, what's happening? Um, <laughs> All right. Tell us about Jimmy Garoppolo. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, anywho, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, we, we saw a lot of good from Jimmy Garoppolo this week. And um, you, some of you may have read the article that, uh, that I wrote and posted on 49ers Web Zone. And it was titled... And if you time. didn't, shame on you. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of people did. And where, I appreciate where have you been? I appreciate all of you for reading it. It 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 kind of blew up more than I was expecting. That's for sure. Um, but it it definitely highlights the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is a lightning rod, and he is the most controversial figure that the 49ers have. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, they win when he plays well, and they struggle when he doesn't play well. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hashtag this, analysis. <laughs> despite the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo did throw two interceptions this game, his stats were much better and stats can be misleading. Understanding that he threw for almost 300 yards and he had a high completion percentage. You know, th those are going to be the debatable topics that, that the talking heads are going to, you know, they're going to discuss because a lot of his throws are behind the line of scrimmage. He has the little, the little shovel or dump off passes where the receiver comes in front, uh, a lot of swing and bubble passes, a lot of a lot of throws that are really kind of more on the easy side to make. And yet he's not being completely accurate with those throws, but they are being caught and the yak bros are taking over and he still is averaging 
a relatively high amount in in the eights in terms of yards per attempt. I think it's eight point six, which is pretty impressive. Um, when you look at it in context in terms of what is the offense producing, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo in the offense is producing a significant amount per attempt when they when they throw the ball. But again, you can debate whether or not it's important for you if he throws the ball down the field. And where Jimmy Garoppolo is still struggling, and this is the part where Jimmy Garoppolo needs to sink or swim. That was the title of the article that was written last week. Um, it's time, like, it is time for him to to figure it out. Kyle Shanahan needs to let Jimmy do his thing, and we either need to be successful or we need to flounder and we need to understand that Jimmy Garoppolo really isn't the guy. I personally think he is the guy. And I think that the evolution of Kyle Shanahan's offense has kind of morphed into this, this quarterback that no one can really get a gauge on. Jimmy Garoppolo is now is is Kyle Shanahan's offense because he's accounting for Jimmy Garoppolo's shortfalls, or is Jimmy Garoppolo suited to play in a scheme like Kyle Shanahan's where he is 100% okay with not caring about the stat line and just caring about wins because I mean, let's face the facts just when, when, when an offense finds their way into the red zone multiple to four times during a game and they score four rushing touchdowns when they just as easily could have called four boot passes or rollouts or short little pick routes to receivers that you see coaches doing all around the league to get quarterbacks touchdown throws. Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe in that. He's not going to do it. All he cares about are points on the scoreboard and wins in that win column. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is that type of a quarterback where he does not care. He doesn't listen to the noise. He doesn't care about his stat line. All he cares about is winning. And I think that's why his teammates love him so much. When you watch something like on the very first series of the game, Jimmy Garoppolo on third down fights through two tackles to get a first down. I was so hyped. I was so hyped. That was awesome. See, and just imagine if you're actually suited up on the field and that's your quarterback fighting for yards, fighting for the first down. You want to then fight harder and take your game to the next level to match his. That's why I think Jimmy Garoppolo works so well on this team and with Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy doesn't care about his stats. Honestly, I don't know if Jimmy cares. If if Jimmy wins a Super Bowl with the 49ers, if he never makes it to a Pro Bowl, I don't think he cares. I, I, I don't think so either. I mean, again, what's the point of playing football? You play to win the game, as uh, Denny Green was famously you know, known to say. You play to win the game. And that's, and that's what he's doing. Right. And, and, and that's where, that's where I kind of get frustrated with 49er fans because, you know, they just demolished the Patriots 33 to six. And all people could talk about was how Garoppolo isn't pushing the ball down the field. They scored 33 points. Who gives a crap if it was, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 340 yards and four touchdowns. And they won 33 to six. Or if Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 275 yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions, and they won 33 to six. The point is to win the game. Exactly. And that, that is an educated, mature way to look at the situation. 
And I think that's the way the 49ers coach and front office looks at the situation. The bottom line is this, and I, I kind of highlight, I'm highlighting this in the, the next article that's coming out about Jimmy Garoppolo. So make sure to read that one too. Um, Hot off the line, presses later this week. <laughs> coming up. But his overall record as a starter is 26 and eight. He's a that's winner. A, that's a 0.765 winning percentage. There's only three other guys in the NFL that have started 30 plus games that have a higher winning percentage than him. And I think those quarterbacks are names you've heard because they've all won MVPs. Thomas Edward Brady. Correct. Patrick Jillian Mahomes. Please tell me these are his, they're real. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Edward, okay. Thomas oh. Edward Brady is his name. I don't oh. know what Patrick Mahomes is. <laughs> middle name is. We're going with that. Jillian. What was it? I like it. Jillian. <laughs> his, his hair kind of seems like he'd be a Jillian. And he has a, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Correct. And sho- you know, it's not, I don't know if it's shocking, but Lamar Jackson leads uh, with a, a 0.800 winning percentage winning percentage i mean last year was his first real year as a starter so and they and they went what 13 and 3 yeah or 14 no they went 14 and 2 but he has started 30 games yeah so here's the bottom line is jimmy garoppolo is in the conversation with those guys in terms of winning and losing football games that's what you want out of your quarterback you want to win because you want to get to the Super Bowl. And Jimmy did that in his first year as a full-time starter where he gets the entire season. So 49er fans, you can't have it both ways. You, We don't want to be like the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan throwing for 300-plus yards a game, leading the NFL in passing, and yet being one of the worst franchises in the NFL in terms of your win-loss record. That's not what we want. I'll take wins all day long, good, bad, ugly, whatever. Bill Belichick talked about it after the game. What you want is you want to win. And that's it. It doesn't matter how it happens, pretty, ugly, whatever. Period. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. And, you know, I think this is exactly what the team needs moving forward is a unselfish guy at quarterback, a guy who's willing to form to Kyle Shanahan's offense and do whatever is asked of him. Because the 49ers offense is hitting its stride at the right time. And you know what? It, it, it just couldn't be better considering we're going into such a hard stretch of the season. Going to Seattle. Then we have Green Bay. Then going to New Orleans. That is just a rough, yeah. rough three weeks. Well, and, and ultimately, you know, the job of the quarterback is to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. You know, his, uh, the game on Sunday, Garoppolo. So Garoppolo had the second lowest average depth of target, which just means that the majority of, of his passes were either behind the line of scrimmage or zero to 10 yards. Right. So his second lowest average depth of target, but he had the highest yards per attempt which simply means that he is getting the ball out quickly to his playmakers and they are running with the ball in their hand, in their hands and getting yards after the catch. That's exactly what that stat means. And the only quarterback who had a lower average depth of target on Sunday was Ben Roethlisberger. What did those two quarterbacks have in common? They both won their football game. Yeah. They're winners. They're winners. Who gives a crap if we're throwing 40 yard bombs or, 
you know, screen passes that gain 40 yards. No one cares. Only, only fantasy football players and fantasy football coaches care. Real football coaches just want to win the game. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo does. Couldn't have said it better. All right. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. Like Tim said, we, we promise we will have a preview episode coming out on Friday as we preview the game against Seattle. It is Seattle week. But before we go, I just want to say we have reached a milestone here at the Denim Dungeon Podcast. We now have, and, and we can't thank you enough, a thousand and five followers on Twitter. And the reality is, is, is Timbo Slice over there has done a lot of the legwork to get those followers, but we appreciate all of you. And it is our hope as we continue to grow the following that we will also get new listeners and we continue to grow this podcast because both Tim and I continue to talk about how much fun we have recording this podcast. We continue to talk about how can we quit our jobs and just do this full time. So, you know, the, the, <laughs> the more you can yeah. help us achieve that goal, the better. And, and we appreciate and love all of you. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it. If you like it, please go ahead and review it. And if you like it, please share it with a fellow 49er fan. The more ears we get, the bigger our reach. And again, the, the, the more we can continue to grow this uh this little this little podcast that uh that we love to make that is sweeping the nation no um the world nay the the world world to all of our our listeners in the uk ireland australia we love you uh thank you for listening um but honestly reach out to us uh we we would love some uh some questions for the next podcast go ahead and send them our way whether it be uh, DM, uh, just shoot a tweet to us, at us, send us a text message, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, make it happen. We we want to answer your questions. We want to, you know, this is the fan we show. We like interacting with the fans. This is the people's show. That's we right. Do, we do what the people want. It's the people's show because we love the people's tight end. God, we want George Kittle on this podcast. George. Come on, George. Please come on this podcast. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you every week, George, to come on this podcast. Just letting you know, George. George. (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, we'll be back Friday to preview that Seattle Seahawks game. But until then, bang bang, Niner gang. We're live, bro.